welcome to Series 11, Episode 3 with former striker Neil Tolson. Signing from Bradford City in the summer of 1996, Neil quickly became a fan favourite at Bootham Crescent and scored in both legs when the club knocked Everton out of the League Cup. From the highs of scoring at Goodison Park to the lows of suffering with a career-ending injury, Neil speaks openly and honestly about his career as a professional footballer. This episode is once again sponsored by the Nearly Departed app for iPhone. If you travel by train, you need Nearly Departed. Whether you're travelling to work or to an away game, Nearly Departed will help you get there by showing live updates for your train service. The app has been carefully made by a York City supporter and is available for free in the Apple App Store. So download Nearly Departed today, ready for when you next travel by train. But now, sit back and relive the 1990s with the brilliant Neil Tolson. Okay, so it was the 90s that got me hooked on to York City, so it's always a pleasure to have anyone from that era. So, Neil Tolson, thank you so much for joining us. I, f- I thought we'd start off the interview a few years before York City in your professional debut for Walsall, away to Yeovil in the FA Cup, a debut which you scored in. I mean, at which point you're just 17 years old. Are your memories sort of a bit of a blur from back then, or are they kind of pretty vivid in your mind? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. It's my first time ever doing anything like this, so... Uh... Got the old butterflies. It's like uh, it's like like playing again. So uh, yeah, I can remember it quite clearly. To be honest with you, I was, at the time I was actually training with the first team. You know, I was still a I was still a, like a YTS at the time, and I was training with the first team. And uh, one of the centre forwards had picked up a little bit of a knock, and Kenny pulled me into his office, and he said, "Look, you're going to get an opportunity tomorrow. Uh, you'll be on the bench, and then we'll take you from there." So we were actually losing one nil, and with. 20 minutes to go, he said, go and get warmed up, you're going on. And uh, I can remember a great, uh, great cross from from the right wing. He was right back. He was actually a good friend. He looked after me as well when I was younger. A guy called uh, Chris Marsh put in a great ball and it was there. I just went and, went and headed it. And luckily for me, it went in the back of the net. A standard sort of Tolson header then, was it? Standard net, yeah. Six-yard box. I love it in there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you mentioned there as being a, a YTS player. So when you're sort of getting in the first team, which you did after that, were, were you sort of cleaning your own boots? How did it, how did it work? I, I love my YTS years. Honestly, I, it was... Two of the best years I ever had. It was a great team spirit, and you know, met some some of my best friends. You know, you know, who I'm in touch with now is still from from that era. No, I I actually cleaned Dean Smith's. You know, obviously got on and done oh, yeah, really yeah. well in management. He was, he, I was his, uh, I was his apprentice, and yeah, and and to be fair, he kept me grounded as well. You know, I think he was one of these players that actually believed in me, and you know, saw saw a little bit of potential in me. You know, he he made sure that I scored the goal on on the Saturday and on the Monday morning. He made sure I was I was cleaning his boots, and I just didn't I didn't think it was right. I was still an apprentice. It wasn't right for someone to be doing my boots. So yeah, I was my my youth team manager Eric McManus, great coach, thought a lot of me, and he pushed me and. You know, got a lot to be thankful for 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 Eric. Uh, he made sure I made him a cup of tea in the morning, and you know, and, and I was sweeping the stands again, trying to you know keep you grounded and stuff like that. So yeah, really appreciate those, uh, those days. Because a lot of that's gone out of football now, hasn't it? And this has been a common sort of theme on on the podcast, where a lot of players, to be fair, I think it, the majority are saying that they really love their time as a whitest, and then like you say, keep, keeps you grounded and keeps you humble. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I you know maybe, maybe you know we'll mention other parts of the you know my my career that you know I'd love to have back, but those two years they were brilliant it was sometimes it was freezing cold and you know sweeping the stands and as I say cleaning the boots every single day and had to be at the training ground early to put stuff out and I genuinely loved it and it is sad to see that a lot of clubs aren't doing that anymore and you know I get it I understand it but I think there's something in it where where it's good for players it's good for you know the the mentality of them, the development of them, the discipline. I loved it, mate. I loved it. And your development at Walsall led to Oldham buying you for two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, making you one of the most expensive teenagers at the time. I think. Did you feel any pressure going to them? I mean, obviously, people listening now will think, "Oh, Oldham Athletic, same league as York City." But back then, they're in the Prem, weren't they? Oh, Prem. Yeah, there was. Uh, they were getting 
20,000 every single week at Oldham. Yeah, and they, they were always on the telly, if you remember. They were always having good cup runs and, you know, they narrowly uh, lost out to, was it Nottingham Forest in the final? That was, again, before my time. But yeah, they always seemed to be having really good cup runs and there was some good players there. You know, Ian Marshall, Andy Ritchie, Roger Palmer, you know, Nick Henry and Mike Milligan, you know, players of that ilk top top players and it was difficult it was difficult you know looking back now I you can't ever turn an opportunity like that down to go was it a little bit too early for me maybe was I not quite ready maybe but the experience that I got from playing with those kind of guys was was amazing and, and you said experiences there. I mean, none more so than your debut, I imagine, away to Chelsea on the opening day of the 92-93 season, the first season of the Premier League. I mean, you came on, I think there was 45,000 there at Stamford Bridge that day. Yeah. I mean, how, how are you feeling? Are you, are you sort of full of nerves are you, or are you just sort of full of youthful exuberance and and kind of just, yeah. just take it in your stride? What, what were you doing back, I'm back probably, then? I'm probably more nervous doing this, you know, talking. <laughs> um, Don't be nervous. Yeah, yeah it's all, you know, it, it was just what I did. I, from being three years of age, all I can ever remember doing was kicking a football around and, you know, playing football and it's all I ever wanted to do. So it was, it was just, the, was, that was the path. You know, whether it was Chelsea away or Yeovil away, it was I was playing football and I love playing football. And, you know, it was all, as I say, it was all I ever wanted to do. So, again, I think there was like 30 minutes to go. Joe Rule told me to go and get warmed up. You're going on. And, we, again, we were losing 1-0 at the time. And, uh, yeah, I can remember going on hard work. I think it was, is it Paul Elliott, the, the centre yeah. defender? Oh, he was a strong guy. And I remember the first goal kick, I went up for an head and he came through and clattered me. So I thought, <laughs> here we go, here we go. So, but yeah, I can remember that a ball got played over the top and I went and closed down Dave Besant and he actually miskicked the ball and passed it straight to Nick Henry. And Nick Henry scored from about 40 yards. So, so that was, yeah, my introduction to to playing in the Premier League. I remember it, remember it again, remember it well. You mentioned Paul Elliott there and I was looking at the team lineup. I think v- Vinnie Jones was in midfield as well, wasn't he, for yeah. Chelsea that day? Were, were you sort of trying to stay clear of him, <laughs> especially after Paul Elliott's gone through the back of you? Yeah, well, they, I, if again, if I remember right, Vinnie Jones, there, there was like Tony Cascarino was playing and Mick Hartford. Uh, they were the four. Talk about hard players. That is, they're, they're the bunch of hard guys who can look after yourself but yeah I, again I can't remember that but I would definitely have been trying to keep away from Vinnie Jones <laughs> you, you moved on to Bradford City 18 months later was that the, yeah. sort of the need for first team football were you sort of thinking right I've I've kind of not really broke into the team here and I, I want to be playing it was difficult and again I, I you know I spoke with with Joe Royal again love Joe and you know I've seen him since and he always gives me a hug and tells me he loves me. And, you know, it was it was a difficult time to leave. I say Oldham, Oldham were in, you know, a Premier League team and they got a lot of good centre forwards and it genuinely, you know, I don't like saying this, but it looked like they were going to get relegated. So then I was thinking, oh, I, I might get more of a chance if they were relegated. But Bradford City is a big club, great supporters, great following. Oh, you know, I promised first team football uh, or the opportunity. I don't think you can ever be promised first team football. And yeah, and then obviously Frank Stapleton was the manager. Who doesn't want to, as a centre forward, who doesn't want to learn off Frank Stapleton? So, again, yeah, after speaking to him, and I felt it was the right thing to do at the time was to, you know, go and get some more first-team games. And the starts that you made there, I mean, I think 12 goals in 32 starts, so sort of one in three. I mean, it was a good return. But again, you were were you looking for more regular starts? Because I looked at when, when you were promoted with Bradford City at, in 1996, but you were sub not used at Wembley. Was that sort of almost like a catalyst for... Wanting to lay down some roots somewhere, I suppose so. We, you know, Chris Kamara was the manager, and he, I actually got offered a really good contract at Bradford after after we got promoted. But yet, that was the sort of the way it was. I'd be playing, you know, I'd be playing a couple of games here, scoring a couple of, and that, you know, it was sort of the start of. You look at modern day football now. There's a lot of rotation going on, and a lot of, you know, someone might score three goals in three games, and then the sub the week after. It was sort of a little bit like that. But with them getting promoted, Jeffrey Richmond had just come in, so there was a little bit of money that was uh, that was available, and they just, you know, a couple of centre forwards were coming in, and I thought, you know, I'm not, am I going to get a chance to play again? It was a tough decision, but Alan Little phoned me up, and I spoke to Alan, and obviously it was best phone conversation I had. Was it? And, and, and that was my next question. Actually, I was going to yeah. say that York can't have been the only team who were after you. You know, with, with that goal scoring record and the fact that you'd you'd been really highly thought of, sort of teenager coming through at Walsall how did Alan Little sort of sell it to you how did he sort of I mean York had beaten Man United the year before was that anything that sort of had an influence on you I just think 
I can't speak highly enough of Alan. He's an absolute, I always say he's before his time, he was a top, top man, not just as a coach, but as a person. And he always had that, you, you knew where the line was, you know, you know where you, you couldn't cross that line. But he was such a great coach, great coach, great person. The way that he spoke about York City, he was, you know, he, it was probably the first time I ever mentioned, I know it's a word that's used a lot now, his family. He spoke about the the York City family and the connection that he you know he had with the supporters and the team. After speaking to him, I just, I wanted to go and meet him. And yeah, you're right. There was probably as I got offered a contract to Bradford, there was there was three or four others. Again, I can't remember which ones they were, but there were three or four clubs that were interested in me. I did. I spoke to I think one was one was Scunthorpe, I think uh, Rotherham. But yeah, after speaking to Al, there was only one place I wanted to go, and obviously I, I met I met Mr. Craig a couple of days later and signed the papers there and then that day. What, what did you make of Douglas Craig? Different different sort of character to yeah. Alan Little. <laughs> yeah, totally. But again, you meet him and you know you know what he's like. So yeah, he were, he was fine. He was fine. It was, you know, he, he ran the club the way. And that's, again, you learn things as you get older and you learn things. You have to run it the way that you want to run it. And that's what he did. And for large part, it was actually really successful. So um, I know there'll be others that will be saying, different things and you know that's you know that's their opinion but he ran the club and the club was in a good position when when he was there and I'm not I sure mean, of the politics that went on towards the end but I know I know when I was there it was it was a great club yeah best not to get into those politics yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I'll get butterflies I mean, <laughs> you, you seem to settle in really quickly I remember kind of you scored your second game away to Doncaster in the League Cup which obviously helped us get, get to the Everton tie you scored at home to Millwall in a, in a 3-2 win and the only goal away to Notts County did, did you sort of feel like you'd found the right club for you at that stage in your career yeah going back I said to you about the two years that I had with my uh, as an apprentice or white yes I felt the same way about York. If you could offer me three years from a professional standpoint, it would be at York. I love the place straight away. I love the city. Obviously, Al, um, you know, the coaching staff. you got Stan, Derek Bell. I always feel bad when you mention names in case you forget anyone. So, and I, I genuinely don't mean to do that. You know, the physio Jeff, who was there for a long, long time after that uh, as well. But the players, there was, there was no... And again, going back to Al as a manager, I think he only wanted certain players. He did his research really good. There was no big-time players. Everybody wanted to help each other. Everyone wanted to, to work for each other. And yeah, I fell in love with the place straight away. I fell in love with the players, the club, everything about it. I mean, football was a lot simpler back then, wasn't it? I think I think yeah. like most teams played 4-4-2. There was often yeah. a, a little and large <laughs> partnership up front. And, and I think yourself and Gary Bull sort of epitomised that, really. What what was he like to play alongside? Like I said earlier, I was fortunate to play with likes of Andy Ritchie and Graeme Sharp, who's probably one of the greatest players throughout the 1980s. But Gary Ball, for me, was the best player I, I played with up front. I, I loved him. And it's a little bit weird, really, because you think, because I was obviously the taller player and Bully was the smaller one. But I always felt my game was stronger when I was looking to get in behind. So, but, you know, a lot of the clubs I'd been at, being the big, the, the bigger guy, I was always used as a target man, ball into me, try and hold it up, set it. And then the other, the other centre forward makes the runs. Whereas it was sort of the opposite. Bully was really good with his back to goal and he looked after the ball really well. And then Pear, Paddy Randall, whoever it was, was slotting the ball through. And I was, I was running towards the goal, which I used to, I used to look forward to those, uh, those times when you're running towards the goal. So yeah, it suited me, suited me great. And yeah, I love playing with Bully. And, and similarly, sort of Paul Stevenson on the wing as well. You mentioned earlier about your goal for Walsall, a great cross in the box. I mean, it must have been great to have a supply line like that from from Paul Stevenson because he was such such a good player, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, what was it we used to say saying to him? He could turn his socks inside out. He got that many many skills. He was crazy. But you all you had Graham Murch on the on the right yeah, hand yeah. side as well. And you know there were the, and again, I hope I don't miss anybody out. But yeah, Steve was so skillful, so tricky, and you know it was again a joy to. Going back to to Al, the football that he wanted it was actually pleasing on the eye, and that's why you got the likes of Steve playing, and you got you got Murray on the right wing, and you know running at defenders. I agree with you; it's a lot simpler in those days than you know than, than what it is now. But yeah, yeah. great player, Steve. 
I mean, you scored 17 goals League and Cup that season. I think your best ever return in, in, in throughout your career. Yeah. The, the most memorable, obviously, the two you got against Everton over the two legs. Yeah. I would imagine you'll have been sort of part of Oldham squads going to places like Goodison. But but to know that you're going to be starting and, and a main sort of staying out, yeah. that must have been really good when you saw the draw. Yeah, oh yeah. Again, and it was against Joe Royal. So, and Willie Donerkey, he was his assistant manager. Yeah, it was great because you, you know, anyone who knows football, you know that the... Teams from Liverpool, the supporters are always going to be noisy. They're always going to be, you know, trying to beat you and, you know, demanding of the team. So when we saw that, we knew that it was going to be a big challenge. I Again, it's another one that you can remember, remember clearly. We deserve to win, though. We deserve to go through on that tie. I, I think the, the the first half was quite tight at Goodison Park. Uh, the second half before the goal went in, we were actually the, the better team, and to be fair, Everton came back at us, and you know they had a they had a spell for twenty minutes towards the end where, you know, we were we were hanging on a little bit, but we got again we got some we spoke about the forwards. You got John Sharples who was playing centre back. What a player he was! Uh, Tony Barris, you know, Andy McMillan, Wayne All, you know, and they they kept us in the tie, and then the, the obviously the second leg we were the better team. I think we were. The, they took an early early lead, but even that was against the run of play. We thoroughly deserve to win win that game. And, and just going back to, to before the Everton game, I mean, Man United obviously the history without the year before, but they did play a slightly weakened side at Old Trafford. But this was a real strong Everton team, wasn't it? And they, yeah. I think they were the current FA Cup holders at the time oh, as well, like Duncan Ferguson and Neville Southall and Andre Kanchelski. So, yeah. Do you remember what, what what was the game plan? What did how did Alan sort of set York up? Was it to kind of compete with them, or was it to kind of keep the score down? No, I I don't think he ever went into a game thinking we need to contain a team. It was always, you know, you don't want to be two or three down after a couple of minutes because then that has, you know, then you're totally out of the game, you're totally chasing and then you can, you know, you can run up a cricket score then. He wanted us to be, obviously, be organised, be solid, don't give away silly goals early doors. But when we get the opportunity, he wanted us to go and attack him, have a, you know, have a go and go and express ourselves. And that's why I, I, I still think of, Al now when I'm coaching I want my players to be creative I want those to go and you know play a little bit off the cuff when they need to be and that's what it was and as long as we were playing within the guidelines that he was setting he was he was happy with us being creative so go you know another point you made earlier about you know feeling part of York City and started well I think you had that freedom with Al where you could go and do this did, did you feel from a, from a personal point of view that you you had a point to prove to Joe Royal or was that not quite the case no and I hope I come across I'm not that kind of guy I don't Joe Royal he put his neck on the on the block so to speak to try to sign me um, I learned so much from him yeah you know not just not just Joe, but Willie Donerkey as well. Great coach. So no, no, I didn't. I I wanted to do what was what was good for obviously myself and and York City. That was yeah. that was that was the goal. And you know, luckily, luckily for me and, and the team, we were the better team and won over over the two games. I mean, let's talk about the two goals that you did get. I mean, the, the first one at Goodison, that was a real 90s goal. I was watching it again yeah. yesterday and <laughs> sort of long ball over the top, wasn't it? You, you jump yeah. up with a great flick on right into a Gary Ball's path. He sort yeah. of lays it off beautifully in, in your path and then you bury it past Neville yeah. Southall. Then shirts off, goal celebration. Yeah. I mean, that, that must... You must surely still watch that yourself on YouTube now and again. I get shouted at this. I, I work I work for soccer club FC Wisconsin and the guys over there can't believe how chilled and how I don't talk about myself and stuff like that. That's just, that's the way they am. But it was, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Yeah, I'm not, I have watched it. I do watch it from time to time. But yeah, I'm more of a, yeah, that was a great part of my life, you know, rather than actually going to keep watching it. And maybe I should do, maybe I should appreciate it a little bit more than what I actually do. But again, going back to the point I was making earlier, the flick on, it was a great ball for, I can't remember the centre half who played, it might have been Sharps. You know, I've won the header and Bully was there to look after the ball. He was brilliant at shielding the ball. Uh, And as soon as I won the header and it was going towards him, I knew that he was looking after that ball. And I knew they had the ability just to, you know, to guide it into my path. And then I had to do the rest, you know, and luckily for me, it went past Neville Southall. I think the celebration was a little bit, Duncan Ferguson used to do that, didn't they? So, and I think we was all winding each other up before the game. If we score, we'll we'll do the Duncan celebration. And I think, yeah, Bully was chasing me, if I remember right, with his shirt off as well. So, <laughs> but the fans, it was it was one thing I do remember was looking over because York filled that end. I'm not sure there was with the four or five thousand that travelled yeah, from there York, was, yeah, there was, and yeah. they were going absolutely mad. It was uh, it was brilliant to see and. 
you know that, that that's one of the images that I'll that I'll that I will genuinely never forget. Yeah, well, most of us had the afternoon off school, I think, to get down to. It? <laughs> to the yeah, that's my memories of it. I mean, yeah, it, it was a it was a great performance, and and obviously the second leg, like like you say, was probably one of one of the best best kind of performances I've seen of York City in, in my whole life, and and the atmosphere as well. I think would probably be my number one at Boven Crescent. What what was yeah. Boven Crescent like for you on on nights like that? Oh, it was it was right. Again, I always used to like playing when when the floodlights were on. I think there's always a dip, different atmosphere. But yeah, we um, we actually went to a hotel that that day, and we had we had a bite to eat, which is again we didn't always do that. And then we had we had a we had a room individually as players. And I can remember not getting to sleep. You know, we went to there go and have a rest, and I can remember just lying in bed. I was that excited, that pumped up. I never felt that we was going to lose, which is weird because you're talking against the playing against Everton, as you say, FA Cup holders, and they've got internationals playing. And honestly, I never felt that we was going to lose. It was we went into the guy went into the game super confident. I'm sure that the rest of the players were exactly the same, and we went a goal a goal behind. But it was no one's heads dropped. It was it was a case of we've proved that we can score against them. We'll go and do it again. As I say, I think we we dominated the game. It was a little bit nervy towards the end. I know they scored one quite late, but yeah, as soon as that final whistle, I don't think I made it. 10 yards without the supporters being on the field and jumping on you and, and stuff like that. So yeah, Sorry, that was probably me, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brian, again, going back to play, for me as a person and me as a player, I, I think things are as important for the supporters. You want the supporters to uh, to be enjoying those days and yeah, okay, I scored, you know, I scored a goal, but like you said, they're, they're memories that last we supported for a lifetime. So I think those are the, the important things to me. Yeah, and, and that, that goal, the equaliser that you got that on on the night, was more of a sort of poacher's goal, wasn't it? That that time, and it was a fantastic run, wasn't it, from Adrian Randall? I, I think I'd, yeah. I'd forgotten how good that a how good that run was, and b how good he was as a player, wasn't he, Adrian Randall? He didn't quite work out for York City long term, and up until literally a few months ago, he was still York City's record signing. But but what a talent on his day! Oh, so good, so good. Again, he was at Burnley, if I remember right. Before, before I think he obviously signed before I got there. The boy from from Burnley, so good, so good technically. Again, again, another another great guy. So again, you know, Alan always used to do his own work on what players were like, and you know, real nice guy. I don't want to say he probably he probably left a little bit, and I feel as though. I left a little bit on the field, you know, you know, looking back now, could I have done a little bit more? I think we could all say that, but Adrian probably could with the ability that he had gone on and done done a little bit more. He's he's actually he's got a son hasn't he who plays for he plays for Exeter now. I don't know. I didn't know that. But, but well, yeah, I'll be, look, I'll be looking I, yeah. that up after this interview. One of, That's one, of, one of my bosses, Coach Ben, he's an Exeter fan and he was telling me about Randall. I actually said, oh, is he related to uh, to Adrian? He said, oh, it's his son. So, wow. yeah, so you can go and go and check that. I'm sure it's Adrian Randall's son played for Exeter City. And I said, my boss is a big Exeter fan. So <laughs> Small world. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the celebration again, you know, I mean, not that you're known for your celebrations, yeah. but again, the Everton one at home, you, you all kind of went to the to the sideline and all sat down. And was that all sort of pre-planned? It looked like, it. Yeah, it, it probably was. I can't remember. I know I got really good friends with Graham Murray. I think it was me and him who just said we was going to do it. And I don't know why, I don't know how it came about, but we did it. And then, you know, you look around and you've got everybody was there. <laughs> I, don't, I genuinely don't know where it came from. But yeah, it was, uh, again, good memories. And you, obviously, you got, you know, the supporters are looking onto the pitch. But me as a, as a player, I'm looking at supporters and they're going crazy and to think that I could do that for so many people is, you know, that that's pleasing. And, and it, it completely launched Graham Murray, I think. Into, I mean, everyone at York City knew how good he was, but I think that game yeah. in particular, not just he's his got the third goal, but his performance on the night, I, I think that kind of almost made everyone sit up and take notice of Graham Murray as, as a footballer and it probably helped him get up the divisions later on. Did you kind of know as a player that how good he was? And similarly with sort of Jonathan, Jonathan Green, and did you oh. sort of look in training and think they're going to go right to the top? Yeah, well, yeah, you knew that you knew that they was better. But again, this is another thing when I first spoke to Al, what Al was, he wasn't just talking about the first team, he was talking about the club. He was constantly talking about the youth team and, you know, the players that they that they had got, you know, that were being, that were coming through the ranks, that were actually made the way into the first team. And he was saying like, these are top, top players. They're going to be, you know, they're going to gonna move on. Darren Williams, I wrote a few down. Darren Williams, Steve Bushel, Graham Murray, John Greening, Richard Creswell, Andy Warrington. You know, that was just in probably a two-year period that all yeah. went on to have great careers. Graham was 
Okay, he's doing really well for himself. I believe he's still at Rangers. He's under sort of 21 coach, manager, yeah. coach at Rangers. Went on to do... I can remember, He actually phoned me up when Reading... And I remember sat on in my house in your talking to Graham and he's going, is it the right thing? And I'm going, Graham, absolutely. They're going to be, I don't know whether they were Premier League at the time or they were going to be Premier League. You know, and he, again, I think it's because he had this love for York City. You know, and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily know whether he wanted to go. You know, it was obviously a great offer for him. And obviously he went and ended up being captain so many games, so many Premier League games. Did great for himself, which I'm just fortunate that I got to play with him as well. And, and at the end of that season, York, York came 20th, just above relegation. But from a personal perspective, at 24 years old, 17 goals, did you expect to have opportunities to move back up the pyramid or was that was that ever on the cards? Uh, I wasn't, no, because I think I, enjoy, I had such a good year and I enjoyed playing and I enjoyed being around the club and you know around the city. I bought my first ever house in York. I just I just loved it. I had no, no intentions of going anywhere at all. I, we actually spoke... Myself and, and Alan and uh, Mr. Craig, we we spoke about a new contract extending extending my contract after the first year. You know, we decided to wait a couple of months just to see how the start of the second season went. And unfortunately, the injuries kicked in and stuff like that. So that obviously never materialised. But I'd have been happy to spend the rest of my playing days at, at York. I love I, you know I loved it that much. So, but yeah, seventeen seventeen goals in. I'm not spoken to him for years and I love Nigel Pepper. We not we not mentioned him in the, you're talking about top players that played for York City. You can't have a conversation without talking about Pep. He was unbelievable. Most competitive man I've ever met. So I just want to make sure that you get in that I scored more goals than him that season. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I've, I've still got his number. I'll, I'll t- yeah, text him. Text him. Just text him <laughs> and say that to him. Yeah, it's crazily uh, competitive. We've mentioned a lot a lot of top top players there haven't we but did did York underachieve that season I mean I know we had the good cut run and everything but like when we're saying there you know to come 20th and I think you and Rodney Rowe scored at Rotherham, Rotherham second to last game yeah. to, to keep us up and yeah. the likes of sort of all those players Andy I've got written down as well the same as you all yeah. the same players that you've mentioned there did, did the club possibly underachieve you could say that he was also playing against teams in that league at the time if I remember right you know, Stockport County had just come down and they were you've got teams like that Watford were in the league I think Fulham were in the league yeah. so you know so you're playing against all these top top teams at the time and we were a young side so maybe there was a little bit of inexperience in the squad you look at probably Bully was the was probably one of the older players I would say I'm saying Andy McMillan, Steve Tuttle. I don't want to be. A, I know Tuttle's definitely older than me, uh, but I'm not sure about. <laughs> I'm not sure about Mac. I think Mac might be slightly older than me as well. But they were like the experienced guys, and as you say, I was only 22 at the time, so maybe a little bit of inexperience. And hopefully, as I say, if we could have kept that team together. You know, who knows what would happen two, three years down the line. Yeah, and like you say, in context as well, like, you know, it's equivalent of League One, isn't it, that they were playing yeah. in and, and there were some big, big sides there. So actually yeah. to come to, to kind of still be in that division every season yeah. probably probably maybe shows that arguably they overachieved that, that, that side. Yeah. Budget-wise, I know, again, Al was totally honest with me. He said, look, our budget, we can't match most of the teams in this league. So that's why there was a big emphasis on on the young, you know, on the young players. Like I mentioned, the players that have come through. And I don't obviously salary and wages, there was we were all on a very, very similar wage. So there was none of this so and so's earning so much and then so and so's only earning this. It was, it was all on very similar money. So you always got that bond, that to that togetherness in, in that department as well. So yeah, it'd been interesting to see if we could have kept that that team together yeah the nucleus of that team was obviously always going to be yeah. split up wasn't it because because of the finances y- your next yeah. two seasons were a bit of a struggle weren't it, with injury was, was that the start of the injuries that led to your kind of early retirement I can still remember now I had I think I had two earlier operations while I was at York and I can remember Jeff I spent great guy loved Jeff to bits but I spent far too much time with him <laughs> um, <laughs> he kept saying to me I'm telling you now this isn't a hernia this isn't a hernia and you know, the symptoms were very, very similar. But, he, you know, as I say, he kept saying, it doesn't, it's not a hernia. I, I literally couldn't lift my legs after training sessions. I couldn't lift my legs after playing games. I'd, I'd, I'd get out of my car and I'd have to literally pull my right leg up, move it to the side so I could actually get out of my car. That's that's how bad my injury was, was starting to be at the time. And it was frustrating because, I, especially after the season I'd had before, I feel, felt as though I was getting back to a level that I was at before Oldham bought me. I was, you know, I started to get a little bit more physical and grow into my body, so to speak. So the two years I had with the injuries, I think I, I'm not sure, did I score something like 
10 goals over the course of the two years, but I only played, you know, a handful of games. It was like, stop, yeah, start, it, stop, stop. I think it was like three goals in 10 games at the first season and some at three or four in the second season, 17. Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. But how hard was it to watch from the sidelines? Awful. Awful because all I've ever done is wanted to play. All I ever wanted to do was was play football, and I was I never did I never did it for money. You know, obviously, the money helped. You know that just come with what we did. I just wanted to play football, so it probably had an effect on me as a you know my personal life. You know, I found it harder. I wasn't playing. Looking back, it's I've probably never I've never really spoke about this. It probably led me to drink a little bit too much. Something I'm not I'm not too too pleased about, but. It was probably my way. I, I suppose psychologically, I knew something was majorly up, and the thought of not being able to play was, was heartbreaking. So, yeah, yeah, probably drank a little bit too much. Big coping mechanism. Did did, did yeah. you? Uh, sorry, you, you did start the infamous sort of win against Man City as well, which I think every yeah. Man City fan now seems to think they were there at Boven Crescent that day. I know. <laughs> Not sure the attendance was as big as I think it was, but um, what what was that game like to playing? Because again, it was a big scalp, wasn't it, over time? Yeah, huge. But again, those were the game on our on our day. We were we, we could compete with anyone. The injuries. I can remember. I actually tore my hamstring during that game. I had to get get stretched off. Luckily for for us, I got, Andrew Dawson came on for me and went and went and scored the winner. So. So, you know, so, then. I just, yeah, I'm, cla- I'm going to claim that one. I'll, I'll, in fact, I'll get in touch with him and see if I can get, uh, get half of his goal bonus. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but again, it was like a eight-week thing. You know, hamstrings usually like two to four weeks. I was out for like eight weeks with a hamstring strain. So that was the kind of process I was going through. But yeah, the, the Man City game, it was a, a huge game. We knew that Man City were going to be bringing thousands and thousands of fans uh, almost trying to you know take over your but again we prepared for it as though it was any other game we'd want to be positive in in the areas where we could be positive and we obviously wanted to try and you know obviously not not concede any and especially early on in the game so so you've still got something to you know to hang on for and to hopefully then be creative as the game goes on but again it was game if I remember right from what I can remember we probably dominated the game you know we were probably the better team over over the course of course of that game so and obviously Dawes went on and scored a great goal and as I say the rest is history and, and you played bits of a, of a running that resulted in York being relegated how, how good were you that kind of Alan lost his job obviously you've mentioned before how, how highly he's, you, you rate him and we'll talk about you kind of reuniting with him at South End shortly yeah. as well but you know he was a man that signed you I think a lot of players York players I've spoke to on the podcast seem to think that they do think Alan would have kept York City up. Are you? Are you in that? Oh, Junior in that same camp? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I can remember. I, you, we mentioned obviously before we went on air about you know doing the you know the kids stuff at the ground and you know the presentation. I think it was. I honestly think I was uh, when you got in touch with me. I th- I was thinking about. I, I knew this question would come up. I th- I think I was doing a presentation at the club, and. The, there was all these rumours going on and I can actually remember walking out the ground uh, and a supporter came up to me and he said, Al's gone, great news. And I can remember saying to that guy, I'm not sure who he is, you know, maybe you can get in touch or he'll say that was me. <laughs> I can remember saying, be careful what you wish for. I can, I, again, I can remember that like it was Yeovil. Be careful what you wish for. Al is a top, top manager. He's a top, top guy. I'm hoping that this, this is not true. It's just, you know, speculation going around. I have no doubt that he would have kept us up. What was your relationship like with Neil Thompson? Because obviously he he was a, a a teammate of yours, wasn't he? I guess yeah. before he took over as player manager. I used, I used to play a load load, uh, load of golf. You know, I think everyone knows I like I like playing golf. Uh, I used to play quite a lot of golf with with Neil. Uh, I used to live over in in Beverly, so we used to go over there and, and and play some real nice golf courses over there. And again, I've got nothing no, nothing against Neil. I just always felt that. I wasn't his player. He just he, he wasn't, and I'm totally fine with that. That's management. That's that's part of coaching. If someone doesn't doesn't want you, you know, I, I say I've got no no issues with that. But I I just never felt that he wanted me as his as his centre forward. And again, like I say, that's totally fine. You followed Alan to to South End to be reuni- reunited with him. Was that quite an easy decision then? I mean, yeah. obviously location wise, it's quite a, quite a trek from yeah. York. But was that an easy decision because because he was a manager that you felt had, had kind of got the best yeah. out of your new career? Yeah, absolutely. And again, we, you know, we talk about doing things right. I'd heard a rumor they they wanted to re-sign me, and I, I'd got um, there was a few clubs. Oldham Athletic wanted to, you know, I spoke with Andy Ritchie uh, about going back to Oldham. There's a few other clubs that was were, were interested, which again leaving leaving Bradford after scoring goals, but then 
leaving York after two years of injury, I was actually surprised at how many clubs were interested. But I was still waiting for this the call off out, and he he'd always do things properly. So you know he could quite easily phone me up, you know April, but he he would have known that that's not the right thing to do for York City. Um, so we wait till the season was over, and a couple of weeks after the season finished, he phoned me up. As soon as his number came up on my phone, it was yeah. I'm going to Southend. And, and there was a bit of an old York City old boys sort of club there, wasn't there really? Yeah. Nigel Pepper was there at one point, Matt Tinkler, yeah. Don Connolly, Connolly yeah. and yourself. I mean, was yeah. that quite nice to sort of have that that camaraderie back? I know Nigel Pepper's a, a big character, isn't he, as well? I think Pep came towards the second, was it the second year? I can't. Well, Gordon Connolly and Tinkler, they, they were living at my house. You know, they, they, they stayed, I again, I bought an house down there and they... Yeah, they they stayed with me in the in, in the house when they were down there. So, again, you know, we spoke about good players. Those two were top top players as well. Obviously, Tinks has gone on. I know Gordon went up to to play in Scotland, and Tinks played for Hartlepool, played loads and loads of games up there, and you know, did really well for himself. I, I always felt that I could get on with anyone. So, you know, when I when I went to York, I didn't know anyone. You know, so it was obviously Southend. You know, Gordon, me and Gordon went down, travelled down together. So yeah, walking into a dressing room, knowing someone's always nice, but I always felt, you know, I was, I'd like to think I was a good teammate and, uh, you know, quite easy to get on with. So, so yeah, so it was good. It was, you know, good experience. And you rekindled some of your best form there at Southend, didn't you? I noted kind of 11 goals in 36 appearances. You know, it looks from the outside as well that you've got quite a strong affinity with, with that football club as well. Yeah, of course I have. Yeah, my my daughter was born in in Essex, so she she doesn't like me saying that she's an Essex girl. She was she was she was actually only down there for about three days. <laughs> so but yeah, she was she was born in Southend. I think, and I might be wrong again. I should probably look more into this, but again, going back to what I was saying earlier, it's just just the way that kind of guy I am. I think I've got like I thought I got more than that. So <laughs> I think I thought I got like. You 10 feel free to correct correct yeah. me. <laughs> I thought I got like you know somewhere ten to twelve goals in the first the first half of the season you know leading into Christmas and I felt good my body felt good and I think one thing Al knew Al knew about the the, the injuries so he would call me after a game and say have Monday off just go to the physio have a day off and you know recover that way and I felt good I felt I felt like the first year at York where. My body was good I was injury free and then it got to Christmas and I, I'm sure I was like. You know, one of the leading goal scorers in the league. I know it was a you know a division below, and then the injuries kicked in, and I was proper, like, literally struggling. And I mean, struggling to again back. Couldn't get out of my car. Couldn't get off the sofa. I was I wasn't training. I was I was playing games on Saturday. If we got a game on a Wednesday, I was doing nothing. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then I I couldn't. I was popping tablets just so that I could play, and it was. It was hard. It was difficult. But again, that's you know that's that's the way that it was. I, I just wanted to play. I wanted to play football. And and did you feel almost a little bit like an imposter then? If you're you're playing on the Saturday but never seeing your teammates again till the following game, that must have been really difficult to keep up that facade in front of your teammates. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's diff- I, I was always a little bit of a, a joker as well. So I I don't think that the players liked it when I was injured because I'd always start moving the cars in the car park and going hiding them in different places and stuff like that. Always doing stuff to the clothes and <laughs> so I don't think I don't think they wanted me out uh, on the injury table as well. So, but yeah, it was. I think people understood. They they could see they could see how you know how struggling I was and you know I was taking the tablets. They they were supportive as much as they possibly can be. And and it, I think they could see the frustration in me because I didn't want to be on the injury table. I didn't want to be in there. I wanted to be, I wanted to be out playing and training and you know doing all that kind of stuff. And you know, so it was. So it was. I think it was hard for everyone. And, and it obviously came to a point where you were told that you had to retire from full time professional football. Yeah. That, that must have been such a difficult thing to take. And and yeah. did you know it was building up to that? Did you yeah. kind of what avenues did you go down to kind of solve whatever yeah. the issues were and. I had another another hernia operation in Southend, and I can remember anyone who's had a, a hernia operation will know that this <laughs> you, you shouldn't be doing what I did. But I can remember I used to live in a flat when I first got down there, and I had this uh, I had the operation, and I actually ran up the stairs six hours after having the surgery, and I said to I said to my, my wife at the time, I said, "There's nothing different. This is exactly the same as what it was before I went in," and I went into the physio two, three days later, and I said to him, I'm telling you now, this is totally exactly the same. So I never really fully recovered after that. And they took me up to see a specialist in Hartlepool. I ended up having to have my, 
my pubis symphys bone had moved. So all these times they thought it was a hernia, which was very similar. It was actually um, the pubis symphys bone had moved and it was out of place. And I had to have that repinned and, sh- and uh, you know, put back into place. And I felt that straight away I knew that's what the issue was because the pains had gone from div, but I just could not get back to obviously cured that but then i got back aches and hip aches and stuff like that so it technically cured one but gave me a few issues yeah, and yeah. that obviously led to packing in and i'll never forget the date it was may the may the 22nd i was told i would never play again by the you know the surgeon he said look you've got to think of the you know your life after football and uh yeah i was devastated heartbroken but then my uh my wife went into labor on that night and my daughter was born on the 23rd of may so yeah as as much as that was difficult my my life was looking in a different direction the day after yeah almost probably fate wasn't it that yeah, that was yeah. possibly to happen yeah. i mean you went into part-time football and, and you had an incredible record for for hyde united i was um, <laughs> probably better than what i've researched Especially <laughs> what you said with the south end goals so I, I, yeah, let's say that you scored 200 for for, for hyde united I don't know. but um yeah. you stayed in the game i mean you could have been probably quite angry at football but you know having to retire yeah. but but you've chosen to you know not just play part-time football but then yeah. obviously go into coaching is that just your, your love for the game then just want, yeah. want to continue well, I actually did I was it was it was hurting like we, we touched on touched on a little bit too much drinking at one stage and I actually didn't play for nine months I didn't I didn't play till probably that I think that was that was obviously May and I think it was I was actually it's quite a funny story I was actually drunk in a in a bar in in Oldham and I could see this guy across the room and it was Jerry Harrison I don't know whether you know Jerry Harrison played for Burnley and Watford great friend of mine loved Jerry to bits and I can remember staggering across this room and going all right Joe Joe how's it going and he, he like stood up give me a hug he said oh my god I've not seen you for ages uh he started talking he said have you played you still playing what you do I said oh no I'm done I'm done give me your number he said <laughs> so so uh I didn't think anything of it he said I'm, I'm playing for Lee RMI I'm gonna get my manager to call me so on the Wednesday I had a phone call this one this one on the, on the Wednesday I had a phone call off the manager Steve Waywell do you fancy coming training? Jerry speaks really highly of you. What do you think? So I thought, ah, why not? So I went and um, I went and trained on on the Thursday. And he said, oh, yeah, I really like you. you. look good. I said, I've not kicked a ball for nearly a year. He said, I'll oh, just sign these forms and you'll be fine. So anyway, I turned up on the Saturday. I'm sub. I can't even remember what division it was. It was the uh, the conference the conference, and I said, I haven't played for nearly a year. I've got no fitness. I've got no nothing. You'll be totally fine. You'll be totally fine. So anyway, that's that's sort of how the love the love came back. You know, I, I saw Jerry and Steve. Steve got sacked, and Steve was the manager then at Hyde. He took me to Hyde, and you know, obviously, I've got a good preseason under my belt. And yeah, luckily, I went on and scored a few goals for them. And you know, real good time there. Great again. There's something very special about non-league clubs as well. They might not get as many supports supporters as the you know the top teams, but they love their teams. Hyde, they they absolutely love their teams. So great time spent at Hyde United. And was it just comfortable for your body then at that point, just having yeah. to, to train Tuesday, Thursday or whatever it would have been and then, yeah. then again on Saturday? And did second to that, did you ever think, you know what, I'm getting all these goals, maybe my body could push and do it full time again? Or did it ever cross your mind? No, I, I knew because I wasn't, I, I didn't, I very rarely trained or, or be, a lot of times it was play Saturday, play Tuesday and I didn't train on the Thursday. So it sort of suited me. I could not have gone back to full time football. I just my my body would not have not have allowed me to do it. And again, if I if I I never mistrained on purpose. If I felt as though I could train, I would have trained. You know, on the Thursday, but a lot of Thursdays I, I didn't I didn't train. Or if I was there and I'd just be walking around and you know just uh, just to be there. So moving people's cars in the car park. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cutting the shoes up and that. Yeah. I mean, you're now a coach and. Um... And you were coaching at Ultron and weren't you before you moved out to the yeah. US and, and helped develop players yeah. like Duncan Watmore, who's who's been a, yeah. a fantastic player, hasn't he, along the way? Yeah. Is is that real rewarding for you as a coach then to see someone like Duncan go on to have a career he's had? Yeah, again, what a great lad. Came into the dressing room, he was a shy, shy lad. And I think if you get him on the if you ever got the chance to speak to him, I think he would tell you because he he always used to take it to heart when he made a mistake. And I, I can remember saying to him every single time we saw him, What are you gonna do if he tackles you? 
And he'd go, I'm going to get at him again. And then what happens if he tackles you again? I'm going to get at him again. So we had to just keep building, you know, that, that confidence up in him. And it was great, uh, really pleasing to see that, you know, how he went from, you know, a, a young, shy kid to, well, obviously the, the, the big money move he had to, to Sunderland. And again, unfortunately, he's had injuries, but he looks like he's bouncing back again now. He's he's at Millwall doing really well. So great kid. Yeah, you can't be too shy and retiring at, at Millwall, can you really? I know. <laughs> a funny funny story. I, I'll probably get in trouble off this now for the supporters. We were actually winning 1-0 away at Millwall. It's anyone who's ever played, it's proper scary there. Their fans are not there. Real scary. And I can remember walking over to the touchline with 1-0 with... I don't know, it's probably the 90th minute. And this guy, I won't, I won't use his language, but he basically told me I'm not getting out of London alive because York City are just beating Millwall. So I'm pretty scared. I take a throw in. They looked, uh, we actually lost the ball and they went down the other end and scored. So, And I'm thinking, oh no, I'm going to get in so much trouble here. But at least that guy's not going to want to beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> Every cloud. <laughs> so I apologise to the York fans for that throw. <laughs> And I mentioned there, you're now in the US, you're in yeah. Wisconsin now. So how did that move come about? It was, I always wanted to play abroad. I always wanted to, you know, go and try different cultures and just to see what it's like. But obviously playing with the injuries, that never that never happened. And uh, it was, long story, a guy who I used to go to school with, a couple of years younger than me, he's the same age as my brother. He tried to get me to come out to Texas and work visas and stuff. He didn't. He didn't uh, materialize. He actually phoned me up and said, "He said I've got a, uh, I've got a guy in Wisconsin, Billy Solberg. He's director of the football club or FC Wisconsin. Uh, he wants to be in touch with you. He's looking to to make a hire." So I'm thinking, "Yeah, that, that sounds sounds great." So ten minutes later, I get a phone call off Billy, and going back to Alan Little. We, we spoke about family and, and Billy spoke about family like I'd never heard before on, uh, since Alan. You know, he was so positive about the togetherness and the family. We're in it together. It's not just about the coaches. It's not just about the police, it's about everybody together. And he'll probably listen to this. I'd made up my mind probably after 30 seconds that I was going to go because of how how he spoke about family. Um, mm. You know, and we obviously exchanged a few Com- more conversations and then I spoke to uh, the other director of coaching Ben Shepherd. he's the uh, he's the big Exeter City fan you know so I, I spoke to him and I know they're my bosses but they're like they're like my brothers they're like my best mate they are a pleasure to work with and what they've what they've done over here for for, for youth soccer is, it, it's great to see it's great to see um, the club considering it was like 12 years ago it was very few numbers we now lead the state we have led the state for the last 11 years on college recruitment which that's probably the equivalent of clubs in the UK getting guys to go and you know sign professional forms because everybody over here wants to go go to college and they want to play at the next level and the family environment that these guys have created is uh, it, it, it's, and it's what, what, what I am I thought five six years ago I was all about about winning games and it's obviously about winning games but I get so much pleasure and so much joy out of seeing these guys developed we might not win every game win a lot more than what we what we used to but the joy and the pleasure that I'm getting through watching these guys develop and become better and then when they turn around and say thanks coach um I've just been accepted a spot at whatever college it is I can't put a price on that yeah it sounds amazing obviously you're really enjoying it how long have you been out there for now five and a bit years and it was it's such a tough decision to make obviously my daughter's still still in the UK you know she's qualified teacher though she's in the transition at the moment with a with a job so it was hard as soon as she said yes that she was happy for me to go I was only ever doing it and it's although it was such a tough decision it's the you know the best thing I've I've ever done I met my wife over here you know so I'm, I'm in a really good place a really really good place yeah look, it looks it that sounds an amazing yeah. amazing job and very rewarding from what you've said yeah. just sort of finally do, do you keep an eye on on your old clubs I mean yeah. it must be surreal seeing York South end and Oldham all in the National League and, and even Ultronham who York played last night one of your old clubs as well all in that same division yeah it's well it's quite funny actually because Bradford and Walsall are the two highest clubs that that I played for it yeah it is difficult and again I don't know what the situation is is at York but the football league needs York City so you know whatever it takes players coaching staff supporters they've all got to start rolling in the same direction and getting everything sorted because as I say the football league 
needs York City. As in, and it needs Southend, you know. And as you say, the, uh, I know it was 2-2 last night against Orchingham. You know, they're, they're a club that's on the up as well. They're, they're doing really, really well. I know they've gone full-time. I always look out. York City, I'm a West Brom fan. So I always look out for West, West Brom first. But then, yeah, always looking out for York City. And I would love, love to see York back in the Football League. Yeah, I think we all would. I mean, yeah. Neil, to say, to say you had butterflies at the start, I thought, I thought it was a yeah. tremendous interview. I really love speaking to you and uh, hope you've enjoyed looking back on your career. No, it's been, it's been great. Um, as I say, yeah, it's the first one I've ever done. So hopefully it's gone well. If anyone's ever in Wisconsin and wants to come and watch a game of soccer or I have to call it soccer over here. <laughs> it maybe, maybe one day we can sort something out where we're taking a group of players over and, you know, come back to you. I, I finished with... This is how much York meant, means to me. Came back in the summer, uh, took my wife over. It's the first time she's been to the UK. And we obviously went to Birmingham. Uh, well, I shouldn't say Birmingham. The West Midlands, where I'm from, see my family, my mom and dad and my brothers. And the other city we went to was York. Um, I loved York City. I love it. Thanks very much. Huge thank you then to Neil Tolson for giving up his time to speak to us. That was recorded way back in August, actually. So apologies to Neil for waiting so long. Obviously, I needed to get the rest of the series together and hopefully Neil thinks it was worth the wait, as do supporters. I, I really, really enjoyed that. He said he was nervous, but you couldn't tell. I thought he um, gave a great insight into his career and some great stories and, you know, really up and down career in terms of emotions. And it's always nice to hear players that are so brutally honest about their time playing football. So, yeah. Huge thank you to Neil and thanks to, to everyone who's been commenting on the series so far. I'm re- recording this just after the day that we released the Jimmy Seal episode and it's been really nice to kind of read up on uh, people's comments and often the older players that I've that I kind of interviewed tend to get probably less listeners just because uh, kind of people used to watch them play maybe don't listen to podcasts, I guess. But it seems to have been a really massive response for Jimmy. Even people who didn't see him play have really enjoyed it. So it's really nice to hear those comments. And you know, please do keep sending them in about different players because I do forward them all on to those people I interview and it's nice for them to know that, that what people think of them. So please keep keep doing that if you can. Also, please keep donating to our charity, Your Hospital Radio. It's justgiving.com forward slash Your Hospital Radio. All the donations make a huge difference. I've mentioned in the other episodes as well that we're now in our 60th year as a as a charity, which is a great achievement and lots of birthday celebrations happening kind of for Your Hospital Radio throughout the year. So yeah, donations are really appreciated as are comments and reviews on uh, iTunes and stuff like that. If you're able to kind of drop us a line about what you think about the podcast and similarly on Spotify, if you, if you can rate us, that's really, really helpful and and just keep spreading the word so next next week we sort of move into the noughties so Terry Dolan up next a man who probably was a bit marmite for some people including myself but I think time is is quite interesting really with the context of Terry Dolan's career I certainly thought after interviewing him that you know maybe some of my thoughts when I was a young lad watching watching his side are very different to kind of what I know now about kind of how the club kind of changed with its financial position and all that sort of thing so I, I would say listen without prejudice and then tell me what you think after it and give some great stories about his playing career as well and being a coach including when he was there when the Bradford fire happened so lots and lots of uh, really interesting tales from his from his career so hopefully people enjoy that as much as they have done the, the other interviews so yeah until next time thank you very much for listening